What's up, everybody? What's going on? I uh, hope you liked the new intro music there. I'm excited for it, man. Last minute decision on my part. Shout out to me. Um, what's going on? Uh, thank you for jo- joining episode 86 of Who Gives a Dram uh, on this later in the day, Wednesday, July 6th. Um, I'm recording this on Wednesday. I'm a little late this week. Um, but I don't miss weeks of the podcast and this week's not going to be any different. Um, so this will be a later release podcast Wednesday night. Uh, sorry, I'm a little late, but we're here and, uh, you know, 4th of July, long weekend, stuff going on, long work hours, just, just a whole mix of things that, um, led to me recording a little late. But that's all good. Um, before getting into anything, make sure you're follow, following Who Gives a Dram on all social media. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube and all other podcast platforms. Who Gives a Dram on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, Bourbon with Friends, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, every podcast platform, yada, yada, yada. Um, that intro song, the first thing I want to talk about this week um, is my intro song. It's usually What Happened to Country by my very, very good friend, Nick Bossy. But this week, I am pulling a song off of his new EP titled Nick Bossy. It's a five-song EP, and um, we celebrated his launch party last week, last Wednesday. Uh, We all got together, a lot of people. Um, Nick has a very ravenous fan base in my area he's very popular in you know outside of my area as well but uh we all got together and kind of just celebrated nick putting out his first five song ep um it's titled nick bossy as i said it's available on spotify apple podcast or i'm oh, sorry uh, itunes not apple podcast and um i think it's available anywhere you can stream music so uh go check it out go check it out i'm gonna play the entire song of what you just heard as the little intro i'm gonna tag it to the end of this podcast so you can listen to one song off of nick bossy's self-titled ep nick bossy um five songs the one i played is called all out of pills it's a great song uh what happened to country uh, a different rendition of what happened to country is also on that uh, cd as long as, as along with three other original songs and I'm super happy for Nick. He's a very, very good friend of mine. He was on an episode of the show. Um, shoot, I don't even remember what episode it was. But he was on an episode of the show, and I always, always love hanging out with Nick, talking with him. Um, 100% going to come on the podcast again, setting him up to come on Bourbon with Friends as well. So a uh, very talented musician. What happened to countries coming up on 1 million streams on Spotify. So he's a huge deal. I think he's a huge deal. So shout out to Nick. I'm pretty sure it's Nick Bossy Music on Instagram. You can go follow him. Just type in Nick Bossy. Um, Go check out our episode together. It's on YouTube and it's on uh, all podcast platforms. Um, It was right around Christmas time last year. So I don't know what episode that was. But um, anyways, I wanted to give Nick a shout out at the top of the episode this week because I don't really have a whiskey to talk about. I have some things I want to review. Um... This is just going to be a check-in episode. This is going to be a we're halfway through 2022. Let's recap the let's recap the half the first half of the year, and let's let's talk about it. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened. Sorry for the awkward pause. I'm just trying to transition correctly. Um, there's a lot of things that have happened in the first half of the year this year, and. I don't know. I like to just highlight things. I like to recap things when things are going well. I like to remember them. Um, Not only because they're good memories, the things that have happened in the first six months of this year, but also to learn from them. Um, Some not good things have happened. And you can always learn from your successes and your mistakes. So I like to take a look back and reflect. I think it's healthy to reflect on where you've been, and where you've came from to further to further where you're going to go, to make where you're going to go that much more special. Uh, so when we started this year, um, we had COVID. 
we as in me had COVID to begin the year. Uh, that was all the way back on episode 60. We're on episode 86 now. COVID Chronicles we started the year with. Um, we did chron- COVID Chronicles Part 1 and COVID Chronicles Part 2. Um, each of which were, ended up being super, super successful podcasts in terms of listeners. Don't know where that came from. COVID Chronicles Part 2 blew up in terms of downloads. I've had episodes blow up in the past with like reviewing Stag or Weller or Penelope Architect or you know some of the more high profile whiskeys people want to hear people's opinions on it whether it's on YouTube or just straight you know podcasting Spotify uh, Apple Podcasts all that stuff um, I don't know why COVID Chronicles bar- blew up uh, but that's how we started the year we started the year without tasting whiskey we're, so we're gonna and we're gonna go to the middle of the year without tasting whiskey and then the last episode of the year I'm sure will be the who gives the dram whiskey awards again um so that was that was a rough start to the year I remember being worried that I wasn't gonna be able to taste or my taste was gonna be affected because a lot of the show is based on taste um and that was more that was still in the in the beginning stages of me with bourbon with friends as well where I I um I wasn't too sure I wasn't too sh- I knew who gives a dram was going to stay exactly how it was. I just wasn't too sure what it was going to become. And now that I know that I can talk about other things aside from whiskey, I don't necessarily have to taste whiskey every single week that I I um I'm happy for that. Like I can I can talk about a UFC card and we can talk some whiskey news which I have to talk about this week as well and Stuff like that. I can I can use this more as like my my church, as I've said numerous times. I use this outlet as as my church. This is my this is where I get stuff off my chest because people happen to listen to the show. Not sure why, but they do. Um, we've done some hitters this this year so far. Uh, we started the year off. Our first review was Stag Junior Batch Seventeen. Went into Elijah Craig Barrel Proof C Nine Twenty One. Uh, and then Kale and I f- flexed a little bit with our whiskey collection. We did the uh, Whiskey with Kin 7, best of our whiskey collection. That was back in February. Then we had, I think, our only guest of the year on so far. Or, no, I'm sorry. We've had two guests on. The first was uh, Tony. Uh, I still don't know how to pronounce his last name. Capuccelli. It's Italian. Um, Barrel Proof Baseball Podcast. My My brother very good friend of mine had him on the podcast talking uh talking whiskey and talking baseball that was a fun fun time that was one of my longest podcasts an hour and 25 minutes um that was a long one then we went right into jack daniel's tenure um that was right around the super bowl i remember doing that and then i flew down to kentucky for the first time and i flew for the first time in my entire life and that's literally only because of these of my podcasts you know, who gives a dram transitioning into bourbon with friends? That is why I flew this year. I would not have flown on a plane this year, probably, if it wasn't for starting my whiskey podcast back in 2020, end of 2020. Um, flew down there and bought Early Times Bottled and Bond. Uh, so we did that. Then we went on to Bomberger's Declaration, 2021 Limited Edition Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey, which... I thought I had it in front of me. Um, I'm not drinking whiskey today, by the way. I I don't know if I'm going to release this on YouTube or not. This might just be straight audio, but uh, I'm not releasing any whiskey. Or I'm not drinking any whiskey this week. I just don't want to. It's been it's hot. I'm tired, and I just don't feel like I don't feel like drinking whiskey. I was thinking about putting a seltzer on, drinking a seltzer while recording, because you wouldn't know if I'm just doing audio. But I might clip some videos together. I don't know. Just just talking shop live on the pod. Um, and I remember doing bomb burgers because I meant to start, that was on March 2nd. I meant to start Irish whiskey month that month, but I didn't until we went to episode 69. Nice. With Jameson black barrel, Irish whiskey. Then we transitioned the rest of Irish whiskey month. We still got four Irish whiskeys in. We went from Jameson black barrel to writer's tears to Jack, uh, Jameson Caskmates IPA to the Sexton Single Malt Irish Whiskey, one of the most disappointing whiskeys I've had in a very long time, Sexton. I remember not liking that at all. 
Then we had the infamous Booker's bourbon mishap when the cork broke live on the podcast. Was pretty popular on Instagram Instagram Reels when I clipped that together. It was pretty popular on TikTok. Um, so I was going to do the Bardstown batch, but then the cork broke on it, so I ended up doing Tagalong batch, which technically wasn't even my bottle. I was just housing it here, but I opened it. Uh, then we did Bardstown batch the next day, um, and I'm pretty sure... Nope, and then we did uh, Penelope's The Architect, and then it was the Kentucky Bourbon Ball. Um, yeah, April 20, I forgot what date it was, but we did the Kentucky ball, uh, re, uh, Kentucky bourbon ball recap episode. Then we went right into Penelope, Penelope 13 year American light whiskey. We did our last whiskey with Ken, the most recent one, Old Forester 2017 birthday bourbon, technically for Kale's birthday. We released that on May 11th, Kale's birthday is May 8th. Uh, then we went into, uh, we talked to Jen, Jen Brandt, another very, very good friend of mine. Um, talked all things Luca Mariano and that's cool things they're doing over there. Uh, one of my favorite up and coming brands. Um, I'm lucky enough where Jen, being the master blender, sends me a lot of bottles. So I get a lot to try a lot of Luca Mariano and I feel very thankful for that. She's the best and she's very, very good at what she does and she's going to be a trailblazer in the whiskey industry, especially being a female, uh, she's gonna she's gonna be a big deal. I can I just know, I just know. Um, then we went right into Weller Single Barrel Bourbon, which was a a bourbon I knew I probably was gonna do at some point because I knew that Adam, my friend, had it and he would let me take it whenever I wanted. It's actually still sitting in my studio. I'm looking at it right now. Should probably give that back to him. But um, we did that. Then we went right into um, kind of like more of a random episode in Blue Note Crossroads. I wanted to do to do that because it uh, it was finished in French oak staves, just like the Penelope Architect we did. I don't know two months prior, um, and I'm a big fan of bourbon finished in French oak staves. I think it always tastes pretty good. Then we did Jack Daniel's Bottled and Bond, which was all right. When we went right into Castle and Key Small Batch Bourbon Batch Number Two, um, and that brings us right to our last two most recent episodes: McConnell's Sherry Cask Irish Whiskey and Jack Daniel's Triple Mash. Triple Mash being a very, very surprising whiskey, one of if not the most surprising whiskeys I've had this year. Early awards contender, maybe I don't know. Um, as we put it right now, we're doing like mid-year awards, like right off the top of my head. Uh, best bang for your buck is definitely going to be um, early times bottle and bond, uh, probably. I would have to sit down and think about these. Um, Triple Mash might be the most surprising. I'm not going to give away what I think is going to be the dram of the year yet because I'm pretty certain nothing's going to change my mind on it, and I don't want to give it away yet. So tune in to the end of the year podcast in December when we go over the Who Gives a Dram, the, the third annual Who Gives a Dram Whiskey Awards. Um, it's been a hell, it's been a hell of a, of a, of a six month period going into this new year. Um, again, I remember not really, not being too sure what was going to happen with Bourbon with Friends and how that was going to affect who gives a dram and what the hell was going to go on if I was even going to have time. But I think I've juggled it pretty well where I can still get in the weekly podcast, talk about some whiskey or at least some whiskey type content and still do a few episodes a week with Bourbon with Friends. And I'm so, so, so happy right now with how things are going. Um, mainly because if you guys, you know, you guys who listen to Bourbon with Friends and who hop over here, listen to my podcast, it's, uh, it means the world to me. I love it. I love it. I love doing this podcast. It is even like when I don't want to do it, when I start recording and I, and I'm just, oh, and I'm just like, oh wait, I can just talk into the mic and nobody can stop me. Like I didn't, I didn't necessarily want to record today. If someone is a podcaster and they tell you they want to record every time they actually record, they are the they are full of shit. There are plenty of times I don't want to record. Even when we're having guests on, whether it's here or Bourbon Friends, I sometimes I just don't want to fucking record. And 
I'm big into consistency. I like to be consistent with things I'm passionate about. So I refuse to miss a week here. Um, and I won't miss a week. I'm a little bit late this week, but it's all right. I'm a little late. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I got for a little recap of this of this half a year. I still can't believe it. We're in July. I hope everyone had a fantastic 4th of July, by the way. I did. Uh, it rained here on Saturday. Or it didn't rain. It was just kind of shitty weather. So all you know, our party got moved to Sunday, which was okay because we had Monday off. Um, Sunday and Monday were very fun. I got a pretty bad sunburn from being in the pool all day Sunday and Monday. Uh, but felt good. Spent time with family. Uh, drank some whiskey, drank some beers, ate some burgers, ate some dogs, smoked a cigar on Monday night, which was fantastic by the fire. Love doing that. Top five things I like to do in this on this planet is sit by a fire, smoke a cigar, and drink a whiskey. There's not many things better to do than that. Also this weekend, um, we had UFC 276. I want to recap that quickly. And this is why I am I'm recording my video right now. I don't know if I'm going to release it, but I'm, I have some hot takes that I want to say. So this is what might get clipped. I want to start by saying um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Cowboy Cerrone. This man holds so many records in the UFC. He's the second, he has the second most wins of all time. I got to search Cowboys records. He has been fighting professionally 16 years, 55 fights. He held the record for most wins in the UFC until he lost this past weekend and Jim Miller, the guy who beat him, they were tied going into this weekend um he just uh, he has so many records i think he has the most post the uh post fight bonuses if i'm not mistaken i don't know but my point is cowboy cerrone is one of those people that towards the end of his career i think people didn't appreciate that we were watching mma royalty compete just one of the most UFC guys to ever do it. I remember when he, I remember before he had his son and he was fighting five, I think he fought six times in a year once and was just consistent. He was just fighting random people. I remember he fought Alex Hernandez on UFC on ESPN one. And we were just like, why cowboy, why are you fighting this up and comer young kid? Like, this is not a good fight for you. And he whooped him, knocked him out in the second round, I think. Um, I think since when he fought McGregor, things kind of started to go down. He's He said that even before the McGregor fight, he knew his time was coming. And that's never good as a fighter. If you know that your retirement's coming, I feel like you have to be all in to be a UFC fighter. But I, uh, thank you, Cowboy Cerrone. What an incredible, incredible fighter. I mean, going to go down. Uh, first ballot UFC Hall of Famer. Give him the jacket yesterday. And just an incredible career. Provided so many highlight reel wins. Came very close. Came very close to UFC gold. Never got it. Maybe the best fighter to never get UFC gold. You can make an argument for sure. And he finally got his Monday day when he fought McGregor. And their pay-per-view, I think, was top five pay-per-views of all time. So, you know, he got his money. He's not not like he's struggling. But he got his big exposure day um, fighting McGregor. Yes, he got knocked out in 40 seconds, but he still made it to that stage. And it was just awesome to see. I'm going to miss Cowboy. I'm really going to miss Cowboy. Um... But going on to the actual main card, we'll start with the main card. So we had, um, we opened up the main card with, uh, let's see here, Pedro Munoz versus Sean O'Malley. So this is what I want to say about this. And I had a tweet kind of go viral about it. 
the fight ended in a no contest, right? If you're listening, if you're listening to this part of the podcast, I'm sure you know what happened. Pedro Munoz won the first round via leg kicks, doing no damage. All of his kicks were getting checked by O'Malley. It was really no, there was really no offensive output from Munoz, rather than kind of just surviving the few times O'Malley would come for it. O'Malley didn't really do much in the first round either. The first round was a toss-up. I, I would probably give it to Munoz myself if I was a judge, but he didn't. He won the round on a technicality. He didn't win in the round. And you could tell in round two, the, the momentum was, was heavily shifting to O'Malley. He was starting to, to land more combinations, get in and out of the pocket quicker, pursue Pedro Munoz a bit, a bit quicker, and a bit more aggressively, you could just tell that O'Malley. You can tell when a when a striker is starting to find their groove, because they start. Strikers typically don't take chances. Israel Desanya is a perfect example, but when they do start taking chances and they start initiating rather than counter striking, that's how you know they're they're feeling pretty confident. And Sean O'Malley is doing that. Sean O'Malley, if I can find the picture, I'll put it in the video here. Sean O'Malley grazed the eye of Pedro Munoz with his fingers open. There's clear evidence. There, there's, a, there's a picture of it, of his, of his finger gently caressing Pedro Munoz's eye like you do with your lover. And Pedro Munoz stops the fight no 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 he's going his, his eye is closed he's he's saying i can't see out of my eye it's only black well that's because yai's closed and <laughs> and you could just tell i knew once they brought the doctor in and pedro munoz was explaining to the doctor that he couldn't see and he wasn't just saying nah he's fine I'm fine I'm fine I knew I knew they were gonna they were gonna call the fight and he kept saying I can't see out of my eye this is the second poke in like 30 seconds which I don't think has been confirmed at all um and he basically said I don't want to fight anymore he didn't say that but body language speaks volumes so, O'Malley, I think, knew, like, a few seconds before, because he was just kind of, like, air dribbling basketballs and shooting in the middle of the octagon. I think he knew Pedro Munoz was going to pull out. And then Pedro Munoz had a, uh, Sean O'Malley had a great tweet after, saying, I guess I'm the first guy to finish Pedro Munoz, because technically he did. Now, it ended in a no contest, but um, I think, obviously, I think they should rematch. That's, that's no question. But... Pedro Munoz's stock just whatever stock he had it's no longer there if you have stock in Pedro Munoz sell it immediately and I think Sean O'Malley's honestly went up because I think most MMA fans would agree that he was he was on his way to winning the second round I think there there's not a whole lot of evidence to show that but just based on knowing the the two fighters O'Malley's the the momentum was definitely on, on O'Malley's side. Uh and I don't know, man. I was pissed and I made a tweet and I said Pedro Munoz is a pussy and I showed the picture of O'Malley's finger not even in Pedro's eye, just kind of on top of it, like like open palm, fingers straight up towards the sky. And did it go stupid, Vyrie? Kind of a little bit, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. My prediction is that they'll rematch very soon, probably on a big card. Uh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, honestly, I wouldn't be mad if they gave him a fight night. Just let him scrap on a fight night. Who cares? Pay O'Malley, put him on a fight night. If he beats Pedro Munoz, everyone's going to watch the fight now because of the, it's not like there's beef, but there's definitely some animosity, I bet. So people are going to watch the fight. Put it on a fight night. See the numbers it does. See what O'Malley can do as a main eventer. That's what I would do if I was UFC.
Second fight of the night was Robbie Lawler versus Brian Barbarena. And this was a this was a crazy, crazy fight filled with hands high, walking forward, head movement, very little clinch work, and just throwing fist. It was awesome. Uh, Robbie Lawler, I think, probably won the first round. And he's old, man. I don't know how old he is. He's got to be 35, 36, 37 years old. He's up there, but he still moves with the best of them. But Brian Barbarena caught Robbie Lawler with a, I forgot what strike it was, but he basically just started teeing off on Robbie Lawler's head, on his tan, bald, caramel apple head. And he finished him. And it was honestly... Mm, probably one of the most entertaining fights I've seen in a very long time. I love, I, everybody loves Robbie Lawler. Uh, even the people who fought Robbie Lawler love Robbie Lawler. He's, he's so MMA. It's, he's like, he's like what I think of when I think of affliction is Robbie Lawler. And that name, Robbie Lawler, CUFC, it's so MMA. It's so like, it's so, hey, 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 bro, let's go wrestle. Like, He's he's the guy. Robbie Lawler is the guy. Robbie Lawler was def, he must have wrestled in high school. I don't know that for a fact, but he I mean for sure did. Just look at his traps. All wrestlers have huge traps from what I've seen. Um but he's the type of guy that just like he's he, <laughs> Robbie Lawler is the type of guy to I feel like be very quiet until you piss him off, but when you do piss him off, he goes completely just animalistic. Uh, and he's also got golden brown skin that looks like it was kissed by the sun. So he's a handsome fella. But um, that was a uh, that was a, unfortunately a, ro- a loss for Robbie Lawler, who is now twenty nine and sixteen, which is <laughs> just an insane record. Um, but shout out to Brian Barbarena, he got it done. Uh, survived the onslaught of Robbie Lawler's just devastating combinations, flurried Robbie Lawler with a lot of volume, and just caught him, and it was a great fight. Third fight of the night was Sean Strickland versus Alex Pereira. A very, very, very good fight for Alex Pereira. A terrible fight for Sean Strickland. Sean Strickland was ranked number four. I don't even know what Pereira was ranked, if he was even ranked. Um, I don't even know if he was in the top ten. I don't think he was. Uh, but Alex Pereira is he's he's beat Israel Adesanya twice, right? So once by decision, once by very devastating knockout, knocked Izzy out cold when they were kickboxing. He's a kickboxing world champion, multiple time champion, and Sean Strickland, who's probably the more aggressive guy, probably the stronger guy, definitely the younger guy, decides to fight a world champion kickboxer by. Essentially, moving forward with no movement, hands up, and trying to strike. It was essentially the perfect fight for Alex Pereira, and he had a highlight reel knockout with a left hook. A check left hook and two straight rights to follow it up, and it was devastating. Knocked Strickland out cold. And Alex Pereira is definitely the next in line for uh, Adesanya's title. 100%. No doubt about it. Pereira really showed out this was Pereira's night to show out and he ended up being the star of the pay-per-view him and Volkanovski were the stars of this pay-per-view because Alex Pereira had the perfect performance that he could possibly have when the guy he's beaten twice who's the current UFC champion top five pound-for-pound fighter in the world in MMA is your main event Adesanya had a boring fight to most fans. I disagree with that. We'll talk about that in a second. Pereira has a flashy knockout. You intertwine the story of Pereira knocking out Izzy in the past, being one of Izzy's only losses. It's a perfect recipe for a pay-per-view. So that's got to be the next fight. Uh, Pereira's got to be fighting for the title next. I would be super surprised if anything else happened. But um, I'm all here for it. I'm paying my money to watch that fight. That's going to be a great fight. Sean Strickland, I don't know. He, I'm def. I know for a fact Sean Strickland has committed a hate crime at some point because he just looks like American History X. So, <laughs> if you put a side by side of 
Edward Norton in American History X, he looks like he'd be Sean Strickland's big brother in real life. So that's all I'm saying. I don't know if that's true or false, but that's all I'm saying. Co-main of of the card, Volkanovski vs. Holloway 3. I wanted every every inch of me, of which there are many, Sorry. <laughs> every every fiber in me wanted Max Holloway to win this fight, but he just got absolutely dominated. Volkan- I don't think Volkanovski lost a... I don't think he lost a second of the fight. I think he won every second of the fight. I'm pretty sure it was a 50-45 unanimous decision for Volkanovski. Um, if it wasn't, it should have been. Max Holloway didn't win a round. It was just a complete and under domination by Volkanovski. It was such a domina- dominating fight that I didn't even watch round five. Didn't even watch it because I knew what was going to happen. And I don't think it's a fact of Holloway getting old because he's not old at all or getting beat up too much or just past his prime. I think Holloway is lo- leaps and bounds the second best featherweight fighter in the world. But this fight cemented Volkanovski's legacy and proved that not only is he the best featherweight in the world by a country mile but he in my opinion is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world and i say that because of the way he absolutely dominated holloway he he beat him up like holloway didn't even deserve to be in the octagon with him now the fight maybe from an outside fan's perspective looked semi-competitive i mean holloway didn't never really got rocked never really was in serious trouble. But for those that know who have watched UFC and just have seen both of these guys fight, Volkanovski was on a different planet. Quicker, tougher, initiating the... um, Initiating the... um, What am I trying to say? He was the aggressor of the fight. Not not only was he winning the fight and quicker and better in the clinch, um, controlling the pace, but he was ag- he was the aggressor of the fight. Which they have all of those different aspects. If you win all of those kind of uh, unspoken aspects of the fight, you. That, that's a that's a that's a 50 45 every day of the week so um i think volkanovsky is the number one pound for pound fighter in the world i have no idea who's gonna fight next i mean he could fight yair rodriguez i guess if yair rodriguez beats uh ortega they're fighting in a few weeks um maybe but uh i won't be surprised if volkanovsky maybe tries to go up to lightweight takes a fight up there um, cause that division, Charlie Olive's saying he wants to fight McGregor. I don't know about that. You got, um, Islam, Makachev waiting in the, in the realm. Henry Cejudo wants to jump in and fight Volkanovski. That could happen. That would make a little bit of money. So who knows? Um, and I just hope Max Holloway sticks around. I wouldn't be mad if he moved up the, the lightweight. I know he lost to Dustin Poirier, but I think give him, give him some time, give him a year off, let him bulk up properly. I think he could have a pretty successful run at lightweight. I'd love to see him versus Justin Gaethje. That'd be a, a battle of the CTE if there has ever been one. Uh, main event, Adesanya versus Cannoneer. Uh Dominating win by Adesanya. I think it was 50-45, 50-45, and I think one judge scored at 49-46. But a lot of people say, well, first of all, Adesanya came out to the Undertaker's music, which was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I really wish he knocked out Cannoneer. I really wish he did because it would have made it like the best performance in every aspect in UFC history, from the walkout to the to the fight itself. If he had like a first round flashy knockout, this would have been like the the performance of the year. But he didn't. He did his thing. Cannoneer, when you fight Izzy, if you're the challenger and you fight Izzy, you have to bring the fight to Izzy because he's not going to bring the fight to you. And if you just kind of pitter-patter with Izzy, he's going to tear you the fuck apart because he's probably the best striker that we've ever seen in UFC history. He's definitely top three. 
100% top five, most likely top three, might even be the best. But if you're just trying to going to try to kickbox or have a Muay Thai match with Adesanya or a boxing match, you're not going to win. Cannonier had moments where he was kind of pushing the pace and making it ugly, which still doesn't really work against Adesanya because that's what Whitaker tried to do, and he got knocked out cold in 2019. But you have to be aggressive with fighting Adesanya. Otherwise, it's going to be a boring fight, and Adesanya's going to win by a decision. That's just how it's going to go. He's too confident, and he's too skilled on his feet. Um, so it was a dominating performance by Adesanya. I still love Adesanya. I had a good time watching the fight. I like watching master classes like that. I think we're watching a goat do work. We're watching one of the, was going to go down as the, either the number one or the number two best middleweight of all time. He's the current number two pound for pound fighter in the world behind Kamaru Usman, or maybe number three. I think it goes Usman, Volkanovski, Adesanya, or maybe it goes Usman, Adesanya, Volkanovski. I don't know, but Regardless, he's up there, and uh, I think we're just watching him do work. So I was not mad at what a lot of people said was a boring fight. I just thought that that's what Adesanya does when he is not um, when he, when when people aren't bringing the fight to him, and that's not his fault. I mean, why as the champion, why would he need to try to be the more aggressive fighter when he's making he's the second highest paid fighter in the UFC behind Conor McGregor and that is a stated fact um he's got endorsements out the ass he's super popular he's super famous now like why does as Adesanya why do you need to take that risk obviously you can go in and be a and and you can have that dog fight everyone saw Adesanya versus Gasolum He's he's willing to do that. I just think now he's fighting smarter and he knows that he could just beat these these guys for all the skill and just be smart and evade damage and 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 continue to make a lot of money, win fights, add to his legacy and and continue to be a top three division. So, I think he's probably going to be eyeing another light heavyweight run. I think he wants that. You know for a fact, as long as Usman is down at 170 there's no chance Adesanya tries to cut that so uh, I could see him maybe going up to light heavyweight after maybe a few more title defenses but he's fighting Alex Pereira next that's going to be his toughest match yet I think it's going to be a striking just a clinic it's going to be a clinic of striking and I cannot wait to watch that fight I really hope they put a great co-main there as well that's going to be a great fight um so that's it for UFC talk. Kind of, kind of did that for a little bit. Uh, we had some whiskey news happen over the over the last week. Bardstown buys Green River Distillery, which I was very, very surprised about. And I don't, th- I think it's great for Green River getting the Bardstown push behind them. Um, I know Bardstown was recently bought out as well, so I don't know who's owns who, but. I just remember, and I was talking about this with Paul last night. We recorded an episode of Bourbon with Friends. Um, Green River is the only distillery that I've ever toured, that I've ever gotten an in-depth tour. And we got an in-depth tour of Green River. We went to a lot of places within the distillery. Walking, you know, we picked our barrel there. You know, we picked our barrel pick there. Um, Walking through the rickhouses and seeing the juice going through the fermentation process, going, you know, seeing all of their steel drums and seeing all of their old school gadgets that they still use. They have like an old school, I think it's like a, I don't think it's a grain silo. I think it's a water tower. I don't even know if they use it anymore, but it's like right in the middle of their pavilion. It's, it's so burb. It's so whiskey. It's like, when you think of like, oh, I'm going to go on a whiskey distillery tour, you think of Green River. I, I mean, in my opinion, it's it is so whiskey, it and I just want Green River to maintain that level of authenticity. I love Green River. Uh, I've you know Paul and I spoke with Jacob at length. Um, Jacob called the master distiller at Green River uh, when we were down there. We had him on the podcast again to re-record because our first recording you couldn't hear us. So we talked. We probably talked to him for like two hours total, not including before like when we were doing our barrel pick and and bullshitting around with all the guys over there. 
and they do a, such a great job over there. Such great people over there. I really hope that nothing dramatically changes because they have something great. Their five-year bourbon that they released this year is fantastic, and um, I really like what they're doing. They're sourcing for Bradshaw, obviously. Um, they do Howler Head. They do Quarter Horse. They do a lot of brands, and uh, they really know they they really know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. I mean, they're one of the oldest distilleries, so it's it doesn't surprise me that they know what they're doing. They have a family legacy in the in the business, so. Um, and also, we we learned that Jackie Zykin is leaving Old Forester as the master taster, and she has a new brand that she just unveiled yesterday. Probably should have had it pulled up. Um, Hidden Barn Whiskey, and we're we're having Jackie on the podcast. Um, oops, we're having Jackie on, on Bourbon with Friends later this month. Probably going to be an episode released with me, Paul, and Jackie, and Alex, who is our guest host, uh, our, our guest celebrity host, Whiskey Culture on Instagram. Uh, we're going to talk to Jackie late July and probably release it late July or maybe early August. We might be the first people she's talking to about her move from old forester but it was the news was released the other day um that she's starting her own whiskey brand it's called hidden barn and i'm gonna not really go into details right now i want to leave that to jackie when she comes on the podcast in a few weeks but um it seems like a pretty cool idea um jackie is a super cool person she obviously was gracious enough to do our our private tasting for our vip members at the bourbon ball this year you know 70 plus people in a tasting room in kentucky in late april it was really hot uh but she she gave us her time and she killed it and obviously it was awesome meeting her but she uh she's very influential in the spirits business not just in the whiskey business but in the spirits business so i think that um Whatever she does is gonna do well. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee her having any issues. And I'm very excited to learn more about the brand. I'm very excited to taste the brand. I'm pretty sure she's sending out some samples to us, so that'll be very, very fun to try. Um, but yeah, that's fun. And uh, yeah, looking forward to talk with her. Looking forward to it. Sorry, I just got a text message that I shouldn't have read on the podcast, but I did on my laptop. Um, and I am just, sometimes I'm not very good at, at double tasking, so I'm multitasking. Um, that's all I've got, really, for this week. We're at 45 minutes. Uh, do a few more minutes. Where's the podcast going as we, as we enter the second half of the year? Um... A bourbon with friends is massively expanding. Uh, there are plenty of things that I don't want to say right now. Obviously, we have our Scotland tour coming up, which will mesh with Who Gives a Dram, obviously, because I'll be there. Um, that's in the middle of October, and that is going to be a blast. So that's going to be very exciting. We are on the hunt for our third co-host of bourbon with friends which paul and i are taking very seriously so that could potentially come to fruition at the end of this month um we just have so many things that we're doing over there uh, we're diving into sponsorships ideas we're diving into patreon ideas different episodes that we probably don't want to release on air um that maybe we put up behind a paywall to cover our ass but uh I'm trying to think if there's anything I can really say. We have, you know, huge guests lined up. We just released Marianne Eves a couple of days ago. We have Jackie that's confirmed to come on. John, uh, John Rich from Big and Rich is coming on the show. He's confirmed. Uh, we have so many other people that are just on the cusp of being confirmed, but we don't want to announce it just yet. Um, huge names in the business and outside the business, just huge names in general. 
So Bourbon with Friends is massively expanding, and that is honestly taking up the, the majority of my time. Who gives a dram? Um, what I plan on doing for the second half of the year is doing a whiskey every single week, giving my thoughts on it. I would like to write a few more blog posts. I have, I've been slacking on it. I'd like to put out some more video content. Um, I want to utilize TikTok a little bit more. I want to use Who Gives a Dram as more of a brand than just a whiskey thing. So I want to do movies and TV and stuff like that on my brand um, and not just regulate it to just strictly whiskey. But the podcast will always be whiskey-based. Um, I want to have my friends on. We're going to have the Canadian Takeover Part 2 here very shortly. Uh, I feel like I've been talking to uh, Daryl. Uh, I feel like I've been talking to both of them about it for the longest type time. Uh, Whiskey Sith and Whiskey Morgue. But thing, life happens and we just get busy and that that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. And I'm just going to continue to use this to have a good time. I mean, I, I really appreciate the people who continue to listen to me. Uh, it, it really does mean a lot. And I see the numbers continue to rise. I mean, it's the middle of summer. It's the dog days of summer. Podcasts always decrease this time of year. There's a huge jump at the beginning of the year. Spring is usually stays high. Summer is when numbers start to fall. And then in the fall, numbers will go back up. And winter, Christmas is always a crazy time for podcasts. I don't know why. Um, but we had a huge week this past week in terms of downloads. Videos are getting a respectable amount of views. Um, I always want to do more video content. It's just tough. It's really tough to find the time to, to, to make the content, but, um, I'm not going anywhere with this podcast. So I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I appreciate you guys. I'm sorry. I didn't do a whiskey this week. I will be back with a whiskey next week. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. So, um, bear with me as I decide what whiskey I'm going to review, but, uh, thank you for joining me in this kind of mid-year recap episode of Who Gives a Dram, episode 86. Uh, Make sure you're following on all social media. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening. Subscribe on YouTube. That's important. Um, Bourbon with friends everywhere on on social media, every podcast platform, and on YouTube as well. So just make sure you're subscribing everywhere to both Who Gives a Dram and Bourbon with friends. You can follow along my whiskey journey. Um, See what I'm up to. And um, if you want to connect, if you want to network, reach out to me, Who Gives a Dram on Instagram. Uh, shoot me a DM. Let's connect. Let's talk. Even if you just want to talk about whiskey, um, I am always down to do that. So, uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to release this tonight so you guys can listen to it. Um, and always remember whiskey's the water of life. So let's start living. Ran out of pills this morning. Once kept you off my mind. Dealer won't answer the telephone And I've called about 100 times All my bottles are empty My herb is fresh out Keeping me sober should be a crime The demon in me is about to get loose And search for a score of white lines Cause I'm all out of pills Fresh out of whiskey When your heart is broken Feels good to get high Though you might think I'm some kind of loser I am trying my best Just to get by To call you darling Let you know how I feel But after last night With my nose feeling right I felt myself starting to heal And all of my buddies Were down at the bar We sang until morning light The demon in me's got a headache This morning from having one We're lining up shots 
too many bears flying high off the ground. Goodbye.